I must say, I enjoy the, the smaller crowds. Um, it just feels so personal and homey and just nice. <laughs> the bigger crowds are also nice, um, sort of. Um, so I know there's a couple of people like Theo, you said. I don't remember your name, sorry. Exactly, that's why I don't remember your name. <laughs> you, def you guys don't sound from South Africa. Are you guys from somewhere else? Germany, just visiting. Welcome. We have some churches close by Germany. Uh, some pumping churches. So it's, yeah, what I've always appreciated about, um, about Josh Den and us as a house, there's something of just authenticity, realness. Just, we don't want to perform or this and that. It's just, we are who we are. We serve Jesus. We enjoy God. We just love Him and make room for Him to love us. And that's why I love times like these where we can, it's, it's times of being personal with Jesus. And I do believe there's something, as we're going to speak about faith, that as we, in a sense, get personal with God, faith arises. And we'll speak about that now. Um, Nico, is this water for me in front? I'm actually sick. So, like, I slept literally the whole weekend. Saturday, I woke up at 12, midday. Um, and I'm feeling much better. Say again. Yeah, amazing, eh? I think it's the Lord giving me sleep before a little baby comes. Um, but I just want to pray, and then we can go from there. So, Lord, we, we do thank you for moments like these where we can, yeah, just gaze upon your, your goodness and your faithfulness. And then other aspects of you, of your comfort and your kindness and your gentleness towards us. God, that you are, that you say that you are a loving Father and you're not like our earthly fathers that, that also know how, how to give good gifts, but you are a perfect Father. And Lord, I thank you for that aspect of you, Lord, that you know perfectly what we need in every situation. And Father, I trust even as we're going to speak about faith, Lord, that there will be an increase of great faith in us as a congregation. Amen. So let me take a sip of water and then we can go from there. like the walk of shame. The bathrooms are in there for the visitors. Um. <laughs> Majestic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So I want to change in a, in a sense the tone of voice even because I want to speak about faith and there's something about faith that gets me excited because I believe, or many people have said it's like the currency of heaven, that we approach heaven by faith and that there's something in God for us that um, to take hold of. And I believe there's more of exactly this for us as a congregation. And I don't want to teach on faith, aka expound on a, a lot of expository teaching, line by line teaching, although we're going to go through a lot of scripture. I would love the Bible to speak for itself. Um, and I would love us to, in a sense, be stirred by the word this evening as we yeah, just go into this topic of faith. So I'm going to start off by Hebrews 10, 
um, says the following. Therefore, Josh Jen, Stellenbosch PM, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one, Jesus, will come and will not delay. But my righteous ones shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. In the scripture, it speaks about to not shrink back, but to live a life of faith. That we will be those that through endurance and through perseverance and through placing our hope in Christ Jesus, we will not be those that shrink back and fall into sin, fall away from the living God, but we will be those that till the very end we will persevere and on that last day receive a great reward, which is our salvation. Um, Peter picks up on this in 1 Peter. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The outcome of our faith in the end is salvation of our souls. And I think in our modern day Christianity, there is such a sense of a lack of endurance, a lack of perseverance. We can't even wait in McDonald's queue before getting impatient and walking to the Caltex next door. Garage by. But with that, how can we persevere as Christians through a lifetime of living for Christ and seeing on that last day our names being called out and saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. I believe this is a key ingredient to our Christian faith that we will be those that through faith will endure. Not many of us not many of us might have this already in us. We might have the shooting star Christianity. Shooting star, whoa, bright, amazing, and then it's gone. That is not the Christianity God calls us to. Not just a, a spectacular, great season in Stellenbosch, but something of endurance by faith to live a long Christianity and not just a bright one. If, if the word, the seed, falls to a ground, it might sprite up quickly and it looks great and magnificent. But when the trials of life comes, it just fails away. Or the other thing I thought about is like a treadmill Christianity. A lot of effort on a treadmill. Who likes treadmills? I hate a treadmill. Yeah, like, oh, praise the Lord for the two of you <laughs> that loves treadmills. But a treadmill is a lot of effort and a lot of energy and heat happening in one space. And there's even sweat that happens in that moment. But then you get off and you realize you went nowhere. And sweat speaks about human effort. There's a lot of human effort that goes into a treadmill. There's a lot of things going on. And at the end, you would see you went nowhere with God. 
And I don't believe that is the Christianity God is calling us to. But Jesus is calling us and he's calling his people always to a life of faith. And I believe when he was on the earth, he was looking for people of faith. That's why we all see in Matthew 8, it says the following. And he said to his disciples, why are you afraid? Are you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the seas, and there was a great calm. He was looking at his disciples, hoping to find faith, and he didn't find it in that moment. But not only in that very moment, we see in Luke 18 verse 8, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, the Son of Man, speaking about Jesus, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When Jesus returns, will he come to us and say, I found faith in this room. I found faith in your life. When you stand before God, will there be something of, I found faith in your heart? Or is there something of a faithless generation in the world? And God will ask these questions. So what does that mean for us? What is faith actually? Because many of us believe it's like that cup of water and when the cup is empty we are we don't have enough faith and when it's a little bit fuller and we try to measure this abstract concept of faith and then we try to pray for faith and then we don't even know what needs to happen when we pray for it but something needs to happen but what is faith ultimately so faith is a complete trust belief or reliance or even a confidence in someone or in something. Complete trust, belief, reliance or confidence in someone or something. And we are called to a life of that. 2 Corinthians 5 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. As Christians, we are called to a life of full trust, full reliance, full belief and confidence and not sight. So I want to I read a couple of things here that I just wrote down in, in pondering on this topic of, of faith. And I said, yeah, the Christian life is not to be lived just by intellect or natural logic that one plus one equals two or even material or logical outcomes of an event, but it should be lived by faith. In the moment of the, the stormy seas, there was a logical outcome. The disciples will die. Very logical. One plus one, boat, water, plus a big storm equals death. That was very logical in that moment, but they never added to the equation but Jesus. In that moment, the faithlessness was not, they had a lot of faith that the storm can kill them. They had a lot of belief in that. They had a, a lot of reliance in that storm. So they had faith, but their faith was misplaced. Their faith was placed in the wrong place. They didn't put God in the equation in the first place. But then I've, I've came across a lot of different religions, I've came a lot of agnostics or atheists that look at Christianity and they say, your Christianity says that you need to walk by faith 
and that is quite an illogical thing to do. It is quite like even, in a sense, walking in the mist, just, okay, by faith and not by sight. So closing your eyes and not knowing where you are going. And then I would say, carry on. And then they would say things, for example, that it's like, it's, it's an airy-fairy, actually in, intellect, intellectual, empty religion. And I'm like, carry on. And it's all opinions, but it's based on what? Because everything they're mentioning is, is 100% true if they don't put God in the equation. And then I would say something like biblical faith. What is biblical faith at all? Because what they are describing is not the faith that I hold to. Not at all. I believe my faith is 100% intellectual, 100% reasonable, 100% true, and not blind. Might not be by sight, but it's not blind. So biblical faith is 100% reasonable, logical, and intellectual because of the object. The very person we place our faith in. Christianity and faith is what it is because of the person we place our faith in. Thus not making it unreasonable for us to do great exploits because we know our God. We know that things will turn out for the good for those that love God because we know the God that we love. That something of us can have a deep reliance and trust based on God and not on our circumstances, not on our feelings, not on the people around us. But we know that God is powerful. We know that He's sovereign. We know He's all-knowing. He's everywhere. And based on that, based on knowing Christ, we can have great faith. But the thing is, we come to a place in our life where we actually misplace our faith, and that does not please God. A misplaced faith is a displeasing thing to God. Hebrews eleven six says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who seek Him. And it's so interesting, as I was pondering on this scripture, that there's something of a pleasingness in God's heart as we place our reliance and our trust and our confidence and our faith in the person of God. And I was thinking about this, how to make it a little bit more, in a sense, human for us. It's almost like myself and Brigitta. There's many things that she's way more brilliant in than I am. It's not a just something airy-fairy that men always say that they are my better half. It's actually truth. You will see when you get married. Um, but there's many times when, when I don't know something and I would go to Brigitte or vice versa and she would place her faith in me or reliance in me and say, can you help me in this area? And there's something of, I feel great. I'm like, yeah, I can help you with that. I am actually good in that area. And then there's other things like, never ask me in that area. <laughs> I like cooking. Now we like cooking. Um, but there's something of pleasure being found in just asking just that relationship of giving myself. And we will never misplace our faith when we come to God because He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-sovereign. He is God. But faith can't be based on the following things. Number one, it can't be based on feelings. Faith can't be based on feelings. Having highs and having lows. 
Because when you're on a high and you're going good with God and it's amazing and I love the feeling and we jumped up and down and we feel like loving God, we can't base it on that because tomorrow it might not be the same. And if we place our faith on a feeling, then we know when that feeling fades, our faith fades. Likewise, otherwise, uh, other way around, if we're hitting a low and we, we say that my Christianity is based on this low, then many of us will mostly not feel great with God because life hits us with a lot of lows. So our faith cannot be based on that because it is so fragile and inconsistent. Next, it can't be based on circumstances. Who of you had a tough day? I almost want to say in this past two days. <laughs> yeah, quite a couple of people now are like, yeah, yeah, if I think about it. We can't base it on our circumstances because what if financial pressures comes? What if family things hit you? What if you get busy? What if circumstances comes, outside pressures, hits you in the face, and if we are building on that thing, on circumstances, all of a sudden we see our faith start to fail. For, for example, there's a little bit of a, a deep pet peeve within me, if I need to be honest and confess my sins before my brothers and sisters, that when exam season hits, busyness hits, but all of a sudden you see people wobble in their faith, all of a sudden you start to see people start to misplace even their priorities and time. And I know sometimes, really, I have grace. But sometimes I can just see people taking their faith and placing it in. In the busy seasons, it's not going well with God. But when I have time again, I will have time to serve God. Life will most definitely get busier than university. I promise you that. There will be seasons way busier than where you are finding yourself. Many and most of you are not married yet. Marriage season, it's life divided all of a sudden. Paul speaks about. So if you have the gift of singleness, I love the gift of singleness, really. I do see it as a gift. The Bible speaks about it as a gift. Receive that gift well because it speaks about an undivided attention between you and God. But when the gift of marriage comes, it speaks about a dual division between you and now my wife. And then we will get a slower runner in this world with the name of Mia. And even more attention will be given to Mia and to Brigitta and to the Lord. And maybe we get a little... Luanki, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. I like the name Luan, it feels powerful. And I don't know, then all of a sudden, if my faith is based, now Vian is laughing at me, he's the bouncer and he must, yeah, <laughs> even the bouncer is laughing at him. But if my faith is based on the outside pressures of life, I will never serve God. Because life will put a demand on your time and your precious priorities and the loudest voice will always be the one that's screaming the loudest at you and that will you give priority to and where's God in that? Faith can't be based on people. 
is there something in you even tonight that you jump less higher because there is less people and you might be noticed, noticed more? Then your faith is based on people and not on God. Or now that you can, there's less people, I feel more freedom and now I can jump higher. It's based on people. Just because the church is doing well and I'm in a rocking church like Josh Jen, all of a sudden my faith is up there. Woe to us if that is us. Really. Really. Today Josh Jen, tomorrow no Josh Jen. Will your faith last even through a cool movement or a cool church or a vibey church? I, I'm just using words that I'm hearing. It's a vibe to be in Josh Jen or in Stellenbosch PM. I want to relocate to be at that church. What if the vibe is gone? What if life hits you in the face? What if people turn their back on you? What if God hits this church with the greatest suffering that you've ever seen? I'm serious. Will your faith stand the test of time or is it built on people? Even if your community group is on fire, is that also when you are on fire for the Lord? Or when there's a lukewarmness that you find in your friendship group, do you just become room temperature with them? That you are the accumulation of your five best friends equals to a lukewarmness. Or is there a sense that you will stand up and say, no matter what, I'll place my faith in Christ. I've had to make that difficult decisions in life. I had friends that's pumping for the Lord and others that started pumping for the Lord. And then as we are running this race and moving forward, they even did Bible school with me. I even baptized some of them. We, we served the Lord. We worked for the church together. And I just saw something happening in their lives. And we fought for them and we fought for them and said, God, help them, bring them back. But something in me, something in me said, I can't, I can't be less because they don't want to live for the Lord. I need to keep the standard. My standard is not my friends. My standard is what God expects of me. And I had to push through. Lastly, your faith can't be based on works. And what I mean with that is how much you come to church of how many quiet times you had this week, now you're having a good, a good week with God. And all of a sudden you have a pumping th faith and your great Christianity and you're good with God, but it's only based on your works because what if you have a busy week next week and you can't do all of those things and all of a sudden your Christianity starts to fail? You have a misplaced faith. It needs to be based on something more solid that is Christ. 1 Timothy 6 verse 12 says the following. I'm going to go a little bit quicker. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and by which you were made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. It speaks about faith in the context of a fight. How many of you signed up for Christianity and then they tell you it's actually a boxing match? That there's actually a lot of fighting involved for your faith. That is not just something that naturally happens, although God still works within you. There's something of applying yourself and giving yourself for God. Are you still fighting the good fight of faith? Or has there become a tendency to just sit back? Jude 20 
verse 21 or 20 verse 20 and verse 21 says but you beloved build yourself up have you heard that verse build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the holy spirit keep yourself in the love of god waiting for the mercy of our lord jesus christ that leads to eternal life have you applied yourself to grow in faith? Have you given yourself, or is there always a reason outside, exterior, people, my leaders, my church, and that is why you are not growing? Or if the grace of God is truly at work in you, are you applying yourself to it and seeing that you are being built up? Or seeing that you are kept in the love of God? So then the question is, how do we grow in biblical faith? Not this misplaced faith, but biblical faith based on given to God. Number one, know God. That's how we grow in faith. You get to know God. Every one of you exercised faith when you walked in here, and it was based on knowledge. The knowledge was that you looked around, maybe for all the visitors, you walked in here, and you look at all of these people, and you're like, okay, these pews can hold them. I can, I can sit on them. It might be safe. Based on that knowledge, you sat on that pew, and the pew hold you, that chair you're sitting on now. And there was faith exercise that your full weight was placed on it, and you carried on with life. Thus, if you grow in the knowledge of God, and you start to see what He is like and who He is, more and more you exercise faith to say, I can trust this person. I'm given to him even more. Romans 10 verse 17 says the following. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the words of Christ. John 17 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Philippians 3 8, Paul writes, and the, I, Paul, count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. Have you counted everything as rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus, your Lord? I believe the first way we can grow in our knowledge or in faith is by getting to know God. Are you given to regular scripture reading? Are you given to climb into your Bible and say, who is this God? Not only that, every single week you're hearing teachings and preachers. We're getting a new podcast, fancy thing there. We're moving up in life. It's great. All of those things are knowledge being extended by a great and awesome God. And are you taking that to heart and growing and this is who your God is? Because many of us sitting in this room says God is good. Who believes that? But then I can turn the question and say, how many of us truly believe that God is good towards you? Praise the Lord for some hands. <laughs> more rhetorical question. It's for the effect. It just sounds more spiritual when you have a pause in the middle of your preach. But many of us would believe it to be true. 
but not many of us would believe it to be true for ourselves. That what if life throws circumstances that you could doubt that God is now good towards you? Or the thing of love. God is love. But then he does things that doesn't seem very loving in the moment. Then we need to redefine, have we defined love? Or is God defining love? And we are sometimes defining love in this world. I've thrown, I've, I've sat with people, even in Stellenbosch, that says, this Christian God can't be a loving God. Because look at what he does. He can't let me get an abortion. He can't do it. And he can't do it. And I'm like, is that your definition of love? And I gave my number to her and I said, come speak to me if you really want to know God. Because that... That thing you're speaking about is not the person of Jesus. We can't define what love is. We need to come back to what God says love is. Oh, I thought about the father. He's not only a father. He's a father to you. He's a father to me. Jealous. The Bible describes, describes him as jealous. But not in a worldly way, but he's jealous for you. So when you run off after certain things, you're just like, oh, the Lord is nonchalant about that. No, no, no. He's a jealous God, and he's after you because he created you. And there's something of that personal relationship that we need to get to know him, and that grows our faith because then I can stand through the storms of life. When circumstances come, I know he's the constant, and my faith grows based on the knowledge of Christ and not based on people, circumstances, pressures, works, on anything because it's based on a person. Number two, the work of Jesus. Our faith grows if we know the work of Jesus or what Jesus did. Hebrews 10, verse 19 to 22, it might be, or actually, yeah, let's read all of it. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence or faith, to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtains, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest, speaking about Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean and the evil conscience of an evil conscience, da 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 and our bodies washed with pure waters. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. We can come close to God based on the work of Jesus. Our faith is not based on how high we jump in a worship session or how intimate our name can make the room feel. You just sing. And all of a sudden, all of us just run into his presence and we're not making light for people who have a worship gift. But there is something that when the mood is created, then we can come close to God. When the mood or the praise is created, then we can come close to God. But if those two things are gone, we can't come close. And then we sit with just us. That is not the basis we place our faith in. We place our faith in the finished work of the cross. John 
many preachers don't even want to use the scripture anymore because it's so mainstream. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And this is not for God so much loved the world. No, no, no. It says, for God in such a way loved the world that he gave his only son. It's not a measurement of his love, but it's pointing to the cross and saying, in such a way God loved us. And he points to Jesus and he says, that's how I will show my love to you. Pointing to Jesus, pointing to the cross, pointing to the finished work of Jesus. Is there a faith in you that points to the cross continually? Is there something in you pointing to Jesus and saying, I know what the world is screaming. I know that I sinned last week. I know that I'm not feeling great. I know all of those things but God. And I'm not an advocate here for continuing your sins. We know what we stand on. But many of us stand only on our sins when we come to Jesus. And we feel condemned. We feel crushed. We feel pressed down. And you end up never coming to God. He loves us just the way we are. And then he changes us. He accepts you the way you are, but he doesn't leave you like that. Because we know each one of us, when we were found in God, was a mess. And then he starts to work, deep work in us. Lastly, I wrote down here, don't put your faith in faith, but in a mighty God. Just because you feel that you have faith now, all of a sudden you have faith. No, no, no. It's once again not a measurement of if you have faith or not. Lastly, we grow in our faith by actually putting, our, putting action to our faith, by actually working it. There is something of the faith muscle that if we put it to action, it just works. Hebrews 10 verse 23 to 24 just carries on with the previous verse. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Now that you can stand on the finished work of the cross and know that he is faithful and you can place your faith in him, stir one another up in love. Exercise your faith. Encourage one another. Build one another up. Now that you can stand on Christ. James 2 verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? And in context here, James is writing to a group of Christians that is extremely religious but actually very backslidden. That with the words they confess that we are good Christians, but then they're seeing their brother in need and stepping back and saying, we'll pray for you. Can that faith save that brother in need? We need to be those that exercise our faith when a brother is in need. Step out in that. Acts 20 verse 35, last one. In all things I've shown you that by working hard in this, we may show you that by working hard in this, in this way, we, may, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. How he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I love that verse. 
it is truly more blessed to give than to receive. The world speaks about you are blessed when you are blessed. <laughs> but the kingdom of God turns it other way around. And when you give, you are blessed. And there's something when we give out of a place of faith. When we give in our actions, when we give and exercise and put our life to it, there's something of growth that takes place supernaturally. Nobody had to teach me to serve people. I was taught by God and an exercise of my faith in Him. I just started to give and I was built up in the most holy faith. I am more blessed to come here on Sunday by loving people and enjoying people and welcoming visitors and getting to know their names. And I... I love that. And then we have a good preacher as well here and there. True. Who of you can remember what we preached about three weeks ago? When I need a bookie gaan kijkie. Hallelujah. So out of a group of 70, one person remembers. But you can remember where you love the socks of someone. This, this is a blessing that comes. James could remember because he gave the preach. <laughs> he even forgot. <laughs> See, preaching has no effect. Why are we doing this? So I want to encourage us, and I trust, and this wasn't in any way, shape, or form, should be a teaching or so on, more encouraging message for us that through endurance, through our faith, there would be something of, of us shining bright for Jesus. And I want to read the last scripture again. It's the last scripture, but I have read it. Hebrews 10, as we, in closing, and then I'm going to pray for us, and then we can go, I don't know, watch the rugby highlights or something. Well, I can just give you the score right now. <laughs> It's a favorable score. Therefore, here we go. Therefore, Stellenbosch PM, do not throw away your confidence. There's a confidence that we can have. Don't throw it away. Because it has great reward. As we are sitting here, we are in need of endurance. Each one of us are in need of endurance. Why? So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Speaking about salvation on that last day. For yet a little while, it's not going to be that long anymore. And the coming one will come. And he will not delay. Do we live with eternity in sight? That Jesus is coming soon. It could be this week. It could be this week. He will not delay. But my righteous ones, those that call themselves sons and daughters, shall live by faith. And if he or they shrink back, my soul has no pleasure in him. There's no pleasure found in those shrinking back from faith. Only those that exercise, place their faith in God. But we, as Stalamosh PM, are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. 
but of those who have faith and preserve our souls. Father, I trust that we will be those that don't shrink back at this age. Lord, we are in need of great endurance. And Father, I trust that we will not have a shooting star Christianity, Lord. But we will be those that by faith inherit the promises of God. That by faith we take hold of everything that Christ has taken hold of our lives for. Father, we are called Josh Jen. And that's made or called by a promise that we want to be like the Joshua Generation Church. Meaning that there is promises laid out for us, God, and we want to inherit it by faith. We want to be those that trust the Lord for the, for the, for the greater things, God. And Father, I trust for each one of us that we will build ourselves up in the most holy faith. And Lord, I trust that we will not be in those moments like the disciples, misplacing our faith in circumstances, in logic, even where intellect makes sense. But we will know our God. The Bible says those who know their God will do great exploits. Father, I trust that we will know you. We will trust you. We will place our full conviction, our full reliance, our full confidence, our full weight will lean on you, Lord. And Father, I trust that you will come and cement this truth in us, God, that we will not waver based on other things, God. In Jesus' name, amen.